I was tempted to take the oath with you. It scared me. I've never had such strong feelings toward anyone. Nor have I. And it was more than just a point of honor. everyone and welcome back to deep space love star trek podcast where we explore love and romance throughout the final frontier as a husband and wife team i'm wife of the team nicole i'm husband of the team then joe yes in our relationship yes that's how it it works that's what i hear (laughs) anyway um it's it's been a minute few minutes um but we're back um and actually today's kind of a special day for us on the day we're recording it's our 12 year wedding anniversary happy anniversary wife of the podcast (laughs) happy anniversary joe thank you so we had a nice day today and uh now we're um wrapping up um the end of our day um chatting star trek and loving star trek yeah really nice way to to cap out our uh anniversary day we had a we had a really pleasant day uh getting out in nature doing some stuff indoors as well and uh, this is a fun way to to end it off Ch- chatting star trek is always a pleasure and chatting star star trek with you is makes it even better agreed um as much as we'd love to chat we actually have a lot going on in today's episode we're talking about two different star trek episodes and after that please stay tuned for a bonus interview which we'll um get into but um that's going to cap out the episode for for you today so um once we're done talking don't don't shut us off right so if you read the um episode title here you know who we're discussing what what couple we're discussing and then which episodes probably we're discussing here but uh at the end of this episode we have a bonus interview with uh suzy plaxon or kayla herself it's uh it's a really fun little chat um so be sure to stick around for that and uh and don't miss that all right joe i think next up would be track check you're right. Before we get into the episode itself, yeah, we do have our annual Trek check. Annual. I don't know why I said annual. I thought it, I was trying to. I was trying to think of an adjective to come before Trek check, and that was the first thing that came to my mind, and regret it instantly. It's not annual. It's just every time we talk. <laughs> All right. So, what's the news, Joe? Um, well, I just kind of. And the first thing, the the last time that we chatted, uh, it was a while. So there's lots of Trek news up, uh, but the big one is um, pretty much for almost the entirety of our time that we hadn't been chatting, um, there was a big writer's strike and an actor's strike. The WGA and SAG-AFTRA had a big strike. Um, WGA did reach an agreement um, and are, are getting back to work. So we wanted to just give a shout out to our support for the writers that make all the content that we love and um, all the work that they put in and all the stuff that they're able to accomplish with the strike and the show support for that. And we I also just wanted to show our continued support for the actors who are still out there striking yes. um, and any other creative industries that are even looking at contract negotiations coming up in the coming years. There are, there are a few more. 
Um, so we're, we're seeing a lot of um, important movements in the labor world and, and especially uh, among the people who make the content and the, and the, and the create, the, create the things that we love. I, I don't even want to use the word content, like the, uh, the stories yeah. that we love, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, just, we just, I just wanted to show our solidarity with those folks. We are a pro-union podcast here. Pro-union. We are both parts of unions ourselves. And um, yeah, go unions. Go unions. Agreed. But anyway, for uh, for Trek news that I have for you, we have a couple series that have come and gone since the last time we chatted. We had uh, all of season two of Strange New Worlds, which we got to watch uh, week to week um, here at home. Um, just to give a little... Uh, uh, thoughts on, on on the on the season um what did you think of strange new world season two i loved it it was great um i really liked some of the different things that they were doing this um season the one thing that really sticks out is the musical episode i know that was for some people that might have been a bold choice um but it was for me it ended up being a great choice in my opinion um among other things and i, I don't know we're just getting to know some of the characters in a in a deeper way and um, i really liked um the story arc around Una and her coming back into the fold after that kind of cliffhanger ending at the end of season one. So I was very satisfied and I'm excited for the next season. Agreed. It was a definitely a strong opening. The first couple episodes are really strong. Um, I think that this was fun to see as a very like experimental season where they're trying new things. Like you said, with the musical, we had the lower decks crossover, which was oh huge. God, how did I forget that? That was amazing. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, and so it's just fun to see them take uh, take some big swings or 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 boldly go, if you will, with some <laughs> storytelling premises. So uh, I appreciate a lot of that. I think that was fun. I really like the characters, like the cast, like the you know the ship design, the or the set design, the art departments in that and that show is so phenomenal. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm I'm still like a little uncertain with where they're going to go with the whole Gorn storyline. Oh, That's the big, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, spoilers. There was a lot of there's a cliffhanger. I won't say too much else that there was a cliffhanger at the end. If you haven't seen it, um, sorry for spoiling that. Skip ahead, I guess. Oh, anyway, anyway, um, but uh, I won't say much more about the finale. I'm just I'm just curious because the Gorn have been a big part of Strange New Worlds to see what they're going to what they're going to do with it and and how um, not that canon is the most important thing anyway, but how that kind of reconciles with what we see in Arena. So uh, I'll be curious, and and I, and I have a lot of faith in these writers in general. So I'll be curious to see what they do with that. Okay, and and then next. now we are currently uh, in the throes of Lower Decks season four, about like halfway ish through it, maybe a little more. Just um, yeah, and I, I I'm I'm gonna say I'm, I've been thinking this has been a pretty strong season overall. I don't really feel like there's been a lot of misses for me. I think there's um, there's definitely a confidence that that show has has gained over the past few seasons, and it's on full display here, where they're. They're, they're just the character. The actors are so comfortable with those characters. The writers seem to be so comfortable with the characters um, and everything really comes together re- well, I'd say. So what do you, what have you been thinking of season four so far? Again, love it. Um, you know, when we did our rankings of all the series uh, a few months ago, I'm pretty sure Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds were like at the top of my list. So I'm loving all of it um, from Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. So I think I would just echo everything you said about the, Lower Decks this season has definitely showing its confidence in like where it's at and what it's doing. And um, 110%, I'm here for it. Same. Yeah, it's... I've liked a lot of the stuff they've done. I really, really loved the Orion episode, the one in the Orion homeworld. I thought that was really fun. It was probably the the like strongest glimpse we've had into that culture and of any Ever. Star Trek. Yeah. So that was a really fun like 
like addition to canon in in a sense. Yeah, I think they're doing right by Tendi and Rutherford this this season for sure. I think that they sometimes that's my one critique of the show is they sometimes have kind of sidelined them or they feel more like sidekicks almost to Boimler and Mariner but I think that they have been allowed to shine very brightly in this season and in the last season too so I love that they're great characters agreed agreed um next item on Trek checklist um there was uh, some interesting announcements on Star Trek day that this year which was I I would also I would kind of argue was a little bit of a sad kind of day it was weird to see them do this whole like thing without the actors and the writers involved so it was kind of a weird anyway but i'm I'm, you know they always try to do something paramount does something for star trek day but they made this big announcement that star trek is partnering with kid cuddy for this new boldly b campaign i don't know if you heard much about that but that was an interesting announcement where he's they're collaborating on a new song and he's going to be part of like some sort of Fortnite crossover um i'm not 100 sure how i feel about it i think it's probably like a cool thing for star trek but i mean i'm not a kind of a Fortnite guy myself but i mean for people who play that i'm sure that's a really exciting announcement um uh it sounds like very much from like a very more like businessy branding perspective of things than a really like storytelling place but um i mean there's definitely a place for that too I sh- i'm sure so what do you think about that i don't have a lot of thoughts on that i don't <laughs> think that i knew about that you might have mentioned it one day to me yeah. and i was like oh okay and then kind of moved i like it cutty I mean, yeah, yeah, good stuff. But so I'm excited for the song for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yay song. Uh, I don't know much. Honestly, you'd have to explain to me what Fortnite is, but I don't think we should spend too much time. (laughs) No. So (laughs) yeah, it's a video game, right? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Could say that. Yeah. You could say that. It's a weird way to confirm that. It's a weird way to say that. Yes or no question. Yes. We'll go with yes. Yeah. All right. And, um, uh, Also, big news, Star Trek Prodigy. Okay, I was, yeah. Yeah, you were wondering if I'm bringing that one up. Is yeah. uh, coming to Netflix. We are going to see season two in 2024. I'm very excited to hear that. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to the Prodigy team. And uh, way to go to all the fans, like, right? Really uh, plugging for the show and uh, showing support. So happy that uh, that they're going to get their their due there and get to at least show season two and, and then hopefully beyond. Beyond? Beyond, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more quick thing I wanted to talk about for Trek Check is we had an interesting Star Trek experiment for the 50th anniversary of the animated series. Oh, um, yeah. There was the very short Trek uh, little series. Very short Treks. Very short Treks little series that we had um, with five episodes. They were like ranging from about two to five minutes, I think, um, in the style of the kind of original series animations. Lots of uh, actors provided their voices or a lot of the Trek actors provided the voices for their characters. Um, and they were very silly kind of episodes based on like kind of an idea for a joke that was kind of stretched into um, a couple minutes. So what did you think of that kind of experiment? I really enjoyed it. Um, they, I mean, I kind of knew what the vibe might be going into them. So I don't think I was uh, like thrown off by, you know, what it was putting out there. And, and right, they've made it clear that it's not like this the things that happen are not within canon. Like you said, it's nope, it's a joke yeah, no. and just taking it into a certain direction. And um, I just thought it was fun. I mean, yeah, almost anything that you're going to put out that is Star Trek related, I think I'm going to probably enjoy. So I don't know. That was, I kind of like that style of humor. So I, I, I thought it was 
hilarious for the most part. So yeah, I think the emphasis on not canon, like just being like some sort of silly experiment that they're doing with like a different style of like storytelling, different kind of medium. Um, yeah, like kind of growing up in that era of like really weird adult swim stuff that happened. I think that we were like a small, it was a very small target audience for that almost when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, again, no, we watched it a little bit later than I think it hit. And I think, so I saw some of the reactions, so I kind of knew what to expect going into them. I know it was contentious for some people, but I had fun with it. Like they're silly, they're dumb. Um, I can't, but I just appreciate that you see like Star Trek as I think a some love was in there. That's I the think thing. there was too. So I feel like, and I appreciate that they're doing things like that and trying like weird experimental things like that. Like not a lot of big franchises can necessarily say that they're, you know, swinging or playing outside the sandbox or like trying something really weird and different like that. A lot of them are playing it safe and a lot of, a lot of times today, you know? So um, I appreciate that, especially the last two, I think were my favorites overall. Yeah. Yeah. The musical one was, was a trip. <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was great, and if anything, they're literally very short, as the title states. So it's like, even if you didn't like it, it's it's only like ten minutes maybe of your life that was spent watching them, or you know, it's ten minutes of content that or Star Trek that you just that's just not for you, and I think that's fine. Agreed. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was fun. I'm happy. Happy we watched it. We got to got to check it out. Um. There are probably plenty other pieces of news and tidbits. Uh, lots of comic news came out, um, book stuff. We aren't going to get to here just because it's been a little while, but um, we are going to move on next. And I think those are some of the big highlights, the broad strokes from like Trek news and, and the Trek world. But uh, yeah, that's what I got. Computer status report. What the hell was that? And Quayne, so what is the episodes or two, two episodes in the relationship? So, uh, as we mentioned before, we are talking about Worf and Kalar here. Um, we are talking about two episodes where the two appear together. Um, the episode season two, episode 20, The Emissary. Um, a little bit of a synopsis that I, I pulled from the internet here. We got, to prevent war being waged in the Federation, a half-Klingon emissary, who is also an ex-girlfriend of Worf, is taken on board and Worf masquerades as captain. That was the synopsis. Kind of interesting. Again, broad strokes. Uh, and the other episode we're talking about, uh, jump a few f- forward in the seasons, is um, season four, episode seven, Reunion. And the synopsis is, while Worf deals with a personal dilemma, Picard mediates a power struggle between successors to the Klingon Empire. And if I didn't mention before, which I did not, these are episodes from The Next Generation. You might have, but... Yeah, if I did, I mentioned it again. Good to make it clear. Because <laughs> Worf is in multiple. <laughs> he is in a lot of series. He's in a lot of track. Yeah, at this point. Um, but yeah, so those are the two episodes we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the relationship between Worf and Kalar a little bit. Um, but before we jump into that, why don't we uh, share kind of our thoughts on the episodes as a whole? Like, what did you think? Um, let's start with Emissary, the Emissary, the first one we watched. Uh, what do you think of that one? I think it's a, I think they're both really good episodes. I'm just going to maybe instead of. Sure, know, instead of just one, to, yeah. Yeah, I think that they're both really good episodes and um, probably, I mean, Reunion, I think is probably a little bit stronger episode, but um, I think the emissary introduced some very interesting things about the Klingons. And then of course these two characters, Kalar and, and Worf. So um, I, I don't know, I'll get into kind of, I think overall thoughts, I think I just want to say that I think that they're pretty strong episodes overall. And um, I mean, the Klingon stuff is always very interesting at least, uh, in TNG era and 
particularly. I think it, it's some really good material and um, it was really great for, for Worf as a character and uh, also Picard. As, 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 as mentioned, he's kind of pulled into some of this Klingon politics. So um, it's interesting to see how he deals with that and like the Federation's relationship to Klingons in general, which is frenemies at best. So yeah, what are your thoughts on the episodes? Yeah, I, I think they're both pretty strong as well. I agree. I think uh, the emissary, the season two episode is it definitely has that vibe of a season two episode where, um, you know, it's definitely an op- episodic piece versus reunion, which is more part of a larger arc. Um, I think that I liked in the emissary, there's the the main plot feels more about like Kalar and Worf, right? That's that's kind of the main, the, the A plot of it. And like kind of the idea of... Uh, this old like Klingons that are from the wartime era, like possibly coming out of cryogenic sleep and they have to like kind of deal with that is sort of like a B plot. And so um, I think that they do a good job of intertwining those plots together. And so um, watching this all play out, I think it, it's, it's a, it's a really well done, like balance balancing act as a, of an episode. Um, it's a great introdu- introduction to Kalar as a character. Uh, Susie Plaxon was phenomenal in the role, like really, really sells this kind of character who's of like you know of two worlds right like the idea that half human half klingon i think that having like Worf, he's also being raised by humans he's not half human but he's got like one foot in the door of like humanity i'd say um oh yeah i mean that's yeah. the kind of stuff we'll dig into we'll right? dig into but that I want to and, dig I, into. and i think this episode really uh, showcases that very well where she's like i'm not really feeling klingon culture you know like she like that's that comes off well for and, and she plays it really well I think reunion might be a slightly stronger episode because it's really like um, establishing a lot of things. It's um, it's got some great like Picard speeches. Um, it's like more like traditionally like when you think about TNG, kind of like some of the great episodes. It feels like one of those. Um, I think the stuff with Worf and Kalar was a little bit more relegated to the B plot in that in that episode, but I still think that stuff was pretty strong. Like there was uh, you need to know a lot of other things going into like the stuff about Worf's house being dishonored or the Worf being. Um, taking official dishonor from the empire and all that stuff. Yeah. So technically, if you're going to come back to these episodes after listening to our episode, you, there's some context you may be missing if if you either haven't watched those other relevant episodes in a while right, or yeah. never watched them. They do get like they give those episodes lines, like they're telling, "Oh, when I accepted dishonor at this one time for this," or so they kind of explain it. But yeah, if you want more context, you probably want to watch a couple more episodes from season, I believe, three. Um, but yeah, I think, I think reunion was really solid. I, uh, I think the stuff with Worf and Kalar in there was good. Like it was a good next step from where they'd last seen each other. Bringing Alexander into the picture was an interesting mix. Um, so, uh, yeah, ultimately there's just a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. So launching into, I think one of the most interesting aspects of this relationship is their identity within the Klingon culture. So as you mentioned, Kalar is half human and half Klingon, and Worf is a full-blooded Klingon, but was raised by humans. And so I think the way that they each approach that is a fascinating like dynamic between them um, as the kind of you know as the relationship plays out, um, since you know, Worf's kind of identity crisis in a way, like trying to be as Klingon as possible and always insisting on 
the rituals and just like the thought process of honor and what is honorable according to Klingon like customs and things like that. Whereas she rejects all of that very swiftly and harshly, frankly. I mean, she almost, she essentially mocks him (laughs) in a way at some points, Mm -hmm. I I would say. Um, You know, and, but I mean, not to, she's such a great character though, which again, there will be spoilers for kind of the ending of reunion. If, if you haven't watched that, then just beware, there will be some spoilers that we'll talk about. So, um, yeah, I just think that's one really interesting aspect to their relationship and uh, makes it rather complex. Yeah, agreed. I, uh, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's what makes the the whole the whole thing so fascinating. I think, um, like 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 Worf, yeah, like they they have this like attraction for each other. It's undeniable, but like Worf is reluctant to it. I mean, she wants to pursue it, but she but even when she wants to pursue it, like she doesn't want to be you know committed for life. Like we've heard this before. Like my, that Worf's talked about, oh, Klingons mate for life. This whole thing, um, and so like when you know when they kind of get it on in the holodeck, he's like all right, let's take the oath. We're, we're bonded forever now. And she's like, no, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not about that, you know? And so like that in a nutshell is an interesting, like look at their, at, at their relationship. But later on, there's also the element where they're kind of like, did this mean nothing to, you or does it only mean honor? And I think that's another interesting layer to peel back to like for Worf does mating or, or being together, does it only mean honor to him or does he actually care about her? That's her question. And for, for Worf, it's like she's like he's like do you just you just want to like have fun or do you actually care about me so like stripping away the honor stripping away like the culture of it they're they're both trying to figure out like do we care for do each we other? care for each like, other do you care for me rather? yeah and of course they're just bad at communicating that right <laughs> yeah. yeah like that throughout the all both episodes um so i think that's just that's just like a cool like other piece to it like there's there's so many layers that you can kind of peel back to it and it's 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 well written it's well done i think Mm -hmm. overall yeah it was interesting watching the alexander reveal having (laughs) been through picard season three Mm -hmm. um yeah spoilers again if you haven't watched picard season three go do that um anyway but the the lines that wharf mentions like you know you, you should have told me and like you know just kind of that whole thing where it's like you started raising like our son together without telling me like that I was ever even a father like not even giving me a chance to have to not giving me the chance to be a father essentially was just some interesting echoes from the Crusher Picard and Jack storyline in Picard season three um and it's, then it's interesting we do have quite i mean you got you mentioned picard but like also kirk kind of had a secret son too right like right like david yeah there's a lot of secret so, of secret kids and secret uh, sons secret sons in star trek is that the episode title secrets i don't know secret sons maybe <laughs> you don't like it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you don't like it just say so secret sons i guess it's really just one son that we're actually talking yeah, about in this yeah. anyway. anyway all right continue um yeah now that you say that that is it is fascinating um uh also again we talked about this afterwards but just i kind of this relationship is so brief because it's these two episodes and we actually spend so much more time with 
Worf and Jadzia in Deep Space Nine. Um, again, spoilers, um, Jadzia uh, dies in Deep Space Nine towards the end. And so coming back to this relationship again, I felt it was so unfair that Worf has to experience the death of like two of his mates or I guess him and Kalar didn't get married technically, but you know, um, romantic loves you know, having to like essentially watch them. Well, he doesn't watch Jedzia die, but you know what I mean? Like he has to deal with like this tragic loss. Like, uh, I just really feel for Worf. Yeah. Right. Two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Worf's seen some shit. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like, right. And no, then I like, be, like, single parenthood kind of thrust upon him. Although at the end of the episode of a reunion, he does send Alexander to his parents, his human adopted parents to, to raise Alexander as well. So, um, and we get some of the hints, you know, it's, it's very clear that like Alexander is very much like his mother. And, um, in, in, in later episodes that we, that we get with Worf and, Worf's like continual struggle. Like we kind of get the identity and Klingon culture clash between father and or between Worf and um Kalar's kind of continued through Alexander in later episodes, in that Alexander, like his mother, rejects the Klingon culture and couldn't give two shits about like being a war. In fact, in this episode, he's like, I don't want to be a warrior. <laughs> that was actually my favorite Alexander moment in this one. <laughs> <laughs> and War's just like, what the f- what? You're so pissed. Yeah. Um, he, we do see in Deep Space Nine Alexander when he's older, he joins one of the, I think one of Martok's crew, Martok's crew at some point, right? So he kind of like does eventually come back to the Klingon Empire a little bit, but a big plot point in Deep Space Nine is that he's really bad at being a Klingon. Like, yeah. That was kind of a fun. Because it's not really where out. he, it's not really where he wants to be. Yeah. But I think I feel like the last time we see him in Deep Space Nine, he's like, I'm going to transfer to this other crew and do something else. And then we just don't really hear from him again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting thing for Worf to explore and, you know, sort of like why Worf feels. I mean, we kind of know why Worf feels so like attached because he feels like he because he did literally grow up outside of Kronos and not in the culture. So he's constantly trying to be as Klingon as he possibly can be meanwhile his first mate and the mother to his child is like you know i i don't know was raised there and was like fuck this right right yeah it's also interesting too like you you see the the sort of like the the kind of culture warring with wharf of like more expects expectations from what the federation would expect from one of its citizens versus what the klingon empire would expect from one of its citizens like in in reunion at the end with how he like deals with uh duras right like mm-hmm. there's that whole kind of like what i did what's right by you know klingon traditions the klingon empire sees what i did is okay and picard's like i'm not done with this like that's not how a federate how a starfleet officer acts like that's like he's he's kind of always walked this line and we see it later on in in, in um the redemption arc too where mm-hmm. he's kind of he like re- like leaves starfleet for a while to kind of do some stuff but um it is i mean Taking another step back to like Worf, kill, Worf's killed a few people. Like I feel like he's <laughs> like straight up murdered people. I feel, I feel like I remember this being controversial in some of the newer Star Treks when we've had like characters like kill somebody or they're like, oh, they're a murderer. And I'm like, well, Worf's been a murderer several times. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if we could go back, I'm sure most of the characters even, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It really is strongly encouraged in the Klingon culture. Though, it it so. kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. 
And I wasn't too upset about losing Duras. Oh my god, no. Then... Yeah, Duras sucked. Yeah. Um, but I suppose uh, that kind of brings us to where we leave Kalar at the end of Reunion then, right? Dead? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, like, we have this great character that we get in two episodes that Again, this stands stands out like to the point where she's. A, I think she's a very memorable character to a lot of people. Um, I told you this and showed you this. I have a mm-hmm. toy, an action figure of Kalar that I've had since a child, and and it's it's a great toy. Mm-hmm. But uh, she, yeah, she's only in those two episodes, and she then gets dies. fridged. She's she gets, fridged. She gets killed, and she's fridged. Fridged. Um, I mean, go ahead. Baloney. No, I know. And I got so mad after we finished reunion again. I mean, I knew she died, but just like kind of watching like the way it happens. And I told you at the time. I'm going to say it again into the mic that I think that she didn't have to. We kind of wa- we kind of rewatched the episode with uh, the commentary um, after we finished watching the episode itself. And they were kind of, I don't know, I just feel like they were like in every draft we wrote, like Kayla, like basically Kayla had to die. And I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily true. I feel like there was room after Crusher arrives and Worf leaves to go murder Duras. And like they could have had Crusher revive her or like get her into stasis or whatever. Like there was a choice there. And I feel like we still could have had like Worf go on his like murder spree and Kalar still could have lived. I guess, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously they would have changed like a lot of like things for Worf and Alexander, but I mean, I just wish we would have had more time with her. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think that even so listening to the commentary track on this episode, it was um, Denise and Mike Akuda interviewing uh, Brennan Braga and Ron Moore, who were kind of like crafting the episode reunion specifically. Um, And it's clear that when they were making this, they also weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with Alexander anyway. Right. So like you said, it would have changed the course of those characters. It certainly would have, but they weren't, they didn't really necessarily have solid plans for them. Um, So, I don't know. It was a it was a little like tough to listen to the commentary. I think we both felt that way. Um, it's a little dry. For example, um, I've listened to more engaging commentaries for one, um, but there's definitely like like talk where they talk about getting letters from uh, from fans saying like this was an important female character to like women Star Trek fans, and you shouldn't have killed her off. And I feel like they they do like they do give service to talking about those letters they got, but I feel like ultimately are a little dismissive of that notion as being true for a lot of people. Yeah, because they're men and like they, they're just like, what doesn't, I don't know, whatever. I don't really want to like crap too much on it. Yeah, we don't need to like litigate but, like their like takes on everything necessarily. Um, I mean, they've they've all done like great thing, stuff though. for Trek and like I know that that's true. And yes. it's just, it's, it's, but yeah, like you're right. It's like, it's a problem of having like just too many sausages in the room. There's just too many men in the room where like yeah. there's just no like, thought to like what i don't know some of the impact might be on other viewers who are not like white males basically right yeah definitely at that time like primarily men were making these decisions and like you know like nowadays in the newer writers rooms like there's definitely a better mix of people and somebody would have been probably been like hey maybe that's not the best best call like hey that's fridging point (laughs) yeah yeah you know i i'm not a characters die i get that and like sometimes i get mad about it regardless but sometimes i actually think like it just isn't necessary or I don't know. Ah, uh, poor Kayla. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I will say, okay, I don't know if you noticed this. One thing I wanted, I, 
thought about immediately because we watched these episodes back to back and I don't think it would have it never would have occurred to me before but she has a totally different vibe in each episode did you you feel the same way a little bit yeah I did um tell me more I think in the in emissary she she's a lot more like bombastic in a way um and obviously like like highly like sexually charged like the whole time which is which is fine i just um i just noticed that like her presence is just like kind of just more like electrified and like kind of volatile too in the first one and uh in emissary and in reunion she seems like a little bit more chilled out she's also really like kind of high strung about like the whole um cryogenic uh klingons waking up and you know that she's like the only option is to kill them you know the whole <laughs> yeah. time and she's irritated that picard and the rest of the enterprise crew are insisting that we that they consider other options or try and find another way and like like that's her jo- that's literally her job like that she's tasked with and at least you know from picard and he's like you know this is what i want you to to look into and to do and she i feel like she just sort of throws the homework away <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know um metaphorically she's just like I, I, there's there's only one solution to this problem and uh that's the only solution i'm going to suggest and um but she's kind of a lot more chilled out and um i don't want to say like reserved but i don't know slightly s- softer in a way in i mean she's still fiery in reunion but in a different way that's a good point yeah i did i did i I think i clocked that as well like she she's a little more chill in in reunion and i I didn't wonder how much of that was like an acting choice or like a storytelling choice about you know now she has alexander too like i wonder how much that might have impacted that or um perhaps like what the situation was calling for in this case like i don't know um I think in terms of the writing was handled, was thought of to be as a much more delicate situation here where like, I feel like the, ah, the frozen Klingons are kind of like, whatever. It's almost like a, like a joke at the end, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is like kind of like something to consider to have more like political weight and like storytelling uh, canon weight, you know? So I wonder if there's, I I don't know. I I don't know what that, why that might be. What do you think? I don't know if I really could stop to consider why or you know, I don't know and whose choice it was or whatever. I mean, it could have been direction choice. Too. I think it could have been. Yeah. There was different directors. Like, so the, the emissary is directed by Cliff Bowl and this one was a Frake uh, reunions, a, a Jonathan Frakes episode. So it could, it could be. And I also think like over time, like in the early season one and two, like the, even Worf was like way more like aggressive, <laughs> I think yeah. too. Like, and he chilled out over time too. So maybe it's just like an, in general, like vibe of how they wanted the Klingons to be perceived. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, like like I think that the way they uh like depicted the chancellor um Kempak who died, right? Mm-hmm. Um like he was he was he kind of was like portrayed as like kind of like a a more reserved like wise Klingon and um especially when his in his conversations with, with Picard and I'm I'm guessing like you can't get to that position without being like wise. But um I think that there there just there just might have been a better handle at that point of what they wanted Klingons to be in the in the world. In digging into the character of Kalar, I mean, it's brought up multiple times that she seems almost like the, I don't want to say prototype, that's not the word I'm saying, but just sort of um, inspiration perhaps for Bolana Torres in um, Voyager. And um, I think that 
it's very interesting to see how different they are as far as like being a half human, half Klingon in the way that's portrayed. So I'm glad that Balana's not like sort of like a like a rehash of Kalar and she's her own character. But um I don't know if that was sort of like the um you know producers and or you know, I guess just kind of like the larger like team, you know, when the franchise kind of like pushing it forward and like the overarching storytelling choices and casting choices but like you know the response to to Kalar and her and her death and her end um if if Bellana was some sort of like well we may have killed off Kalar but here we'll give like you know a half human half Klingon woman character like main cast um Mm -hmm. status in in this uh this uh series yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I wonder if, like, in a world where Kalar wasn't killed off in TNG, do we have Balana Torres? I don't, don't want to think about that. But yeah, I guess you don't, don't want to think about that. Like, we could, I mean, wait, why like, can't we have both? I mean, I was just about to say that <laughs> the realistically we should be able to have both, mm-hmm. but at the time, like, it was often like kind of a checklist for like, okay, yeah. we have one of these things, we're good, you know? Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's an interesting thing to consider. Um, Last little fun fact. Reunion is the first episode to introduce the Batleth. Yes, I was wondering who's, which one of us going to bring that up. Yeah, I think that's a really cool like piece of it, like a really cool like Klingon culture bit to have. And uh, the I'm way that so surprised I didn't know that. it was that far into TNG yeah. that we got it. Yeah, but the way like Worf kind of teaches Alexander about it was really cool. Like how he holds it with his like forearm. It's so cool. Oh, and okay, the one cool tidbit that the commentary did provide though was the word Batleth is basically a mashup of the Klingon words for honor and sword. Yeah, that's right. I thought that was cool too. That's a really cool fact. Honor sword. Honor sword. Definitely. <laughs> definitely like what Klingons would call it. I wish that like humans more frequently would call it like a, a human or a, <laughs> an honor sword. Yeah. Have your honor sword. You got your honor sword. You got mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had a couple small fun facts too. I think I wanted to add just outside of our like, you know, discussion about characters and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. one of the ones I thought was kind of an interesting piece uh, in the first episode, the emissary, uh, I think I told, I told you this while we were watching it, but the, the decision, like when, you know, Worf and Kalar finally like get it on in the hol- holodeck to like mm-hmm. do that, like clenching fist with the blood coming out was oh, like an yeah. onset decision rather than like a writing decision beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like the director talked about like, yeah, we, we talked about it and decided to just do like right there on, on set, mm-hmm. like that idea. So it's kind of a fun, like last minute addition that was, that made it, definitely unique mm-hmm. um i also wanted to point out the the klingon calisthenics pro- program that they use in that one oh, with the like yeah, the the really creatures really weird like 80 style like creature prosthetics they have in that it's super fun but it was fun to see that come back after it was in i think the episode where silence has lease in season two uh we see that for the first time so i, I kind of enjoyed seeing that back um back in the frame uh there is kind of a cool like beta canon bit where like I think it was Peter David wrote the um, Starfleet Academy novels. They do like Worf mentions not having seen Clay- Kayla for like six years and something like that. Those novels actually detail some of their first meetings in the Academy, which is kind of fun. So if you're interested in more Kayla stuff, check that out for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. The Starfleet Academy novels, I think, are geared more to like YA. Hmm. Um, it could be kind of fun to get, especially for the kids, even something that they could read. Put in my classroom, maybe. I don't know. I would. I would like that. Yeah. Yeah. I get, get find those out. So there is some. I mean, it's not like yeah. yeah the, some you're more. saying like book canon. 
yeah, the yeah, yeah. background because I mean it definitely felt like watching the emissary that like it felt like you should have more context for their relationship and they don't really provide anything extra yeah. in that episode and then you don't essentially get it in reunion either it's just a follow-up to emissary and then she dies so i don't know i would be very curious to see what you know to know what i don't know context might have been there you know or maybe even what the actors themselves just thought but yeah well i guess if you want to look it up i just i looked at my notes i do have it it's his, his starfleet academy duology line of fire and survival are the two books where uh Worf and Kalar first meet Okay, so cool. Check those out. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting to bring up uh, was when we listened to the commentary track as well for Reunion, and they talked about the early draft of that, where the the plot would have been like taking place like right around Kronos, and oh, yeah. we wouldn't the the idea original idea was nobody would know who Alexander's father was, and Duras wanted to claim to be his father for some reason, and that would have been like something to help his claim to the to becoming the next chancellor or whatever. Like there was some plots with that where she wasn't going to reveal like Worf being the father, which I believe kind of morphed into the storytelling element where Worf was kind of like, oh, I can't, you can't tell him, tell them I'm the father because I'm, you know, dishonored in, in Klingon culture. He'll be, he'll have to carry that dishonor if he chooses to be there. Like, I think that kind of morphed into that a little bit, but like, I'm really glad they didn't do this. Like, oh, who's the father kind of plot thread or like, oh, you know, multiple people trying to claim that they are, it's their son, you know, that kind of thing. Seems just kind of like soap opera. Glad that so, didn't happen. Yeah, and and I think that one was supposed to kick off like the Klingon Civil War, like an arc they're going to do there. So that, I mean, it, it was very different, but it was kind of interesting to hear like the early draft what that could have been like. Reunion is also the first appearance of Gowron, which is love Gowron. Interesting. Also, use that word a lot. Interesting, but <laughs> interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. But yeah. It's just fun to see that introduction again, having watched, you know, the many episodes after that feature Gowron. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in a lot of Deep Space Nine, especially. But mm-hmm. yeah, seeing his first introduction here was kind of a lot of fun to go back to. So, any final thoughts before we go into our rating scale? No, I think we hit on most of uh, the points that I wanted to discuss. All right, so. Uh, it's been a minute. Like you said, our rating scale, we have a five point patented rating scale. Patented. It's patent, patented, patented, patent pending, patent pending. Is it pending? You could say that. Um, where we rate the romance in question and we start at, we'll start at the bottom, a red alert, pretty self-explanatory yellow alert. just only slightly better. Fascinating is kind of a middle of the road. We're like, "Eh, interested. Um, the next one up would be fully functional, meaning we really like the relationship or resistance is futile, meaning too hot to handle. So where would Worf and Kalar fall on our patent pending, patented pending rating scale for you? You give yourself a tongue twister for like no reason. On I did. That's true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be interested to hear what you have to say. Um, Because I don't know, I guess I don't, I literally have no idea. But for me, it's falling into fascinating category. Fascinating. Because I would have wanted to see more, which I think we tend to say when we use fascinating. Um, But also, I do think that they have, we, we discussed kind of the identity clashing in their relationship to Klingon culture that they had very different views on and, and maybe in reunion there was a hint that they could meet in the middle somewhere, but 
They also seem to have a huge communication problem, as you mentioned. Um, you know, she didn't even mention to him that, you know, she, she ended up pregnant and had a son. Um, and so I think that, you know, I'm not sure how, I guess, whether, even though I wanted to see more Kalar, I didn't necessarily need to see her and Worf together. It would have been like interesting and fun to see their relationship pan out for, you know, for, for longer. But, um, I mean, but I don't feel like there was anything toxic there, but it's just, um, it was very complicated. Um, but I think it was really cool to see Worf is kind of one of the first like relationships we see Worf in. So I think, um, it was a really like great one to see fleshed out. Well, not fully fleshed out, but you know, previewed. It's <laughs> fleshed out as we get, we got. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. All right, where, where are you? Okay. You're chuckling. So I think we're different. A little bit. I actually thought. But I'm right. So. Yeah, that's fair. You are right. There's no opinions here. It's uh, correctness. That's right. Yeah. Um, I gave it a little bit of a yellow alert. What? Really? Um, but with the caveat that it has, uh, I split it. I said a yellow alert with strong hints of a resistance is futile. Yellow alert. Resistance is futile. Oh, okay. You're doing kind of what our guests do, or you just sort of... Like, I, uh, I just felt like this one was really, like, really called like for cooking it. ingredients, yeah, and it, you uh, just, like, sprinkling whatever you want. Bam! A little bit of resistance, resistance futile in there. Oh, so okay. Had to, I just had to because... Okay, so I'll go... I, I agree with you a lot of things, and I think some of the things, the communication issues, um, some of the way that, that they clashed kind of drug me down just a little bit into a yellow alert. I was... I mean, that's, I was on the fence there. Um, I think that if they were to have stayed together, if we had more time together, they would probably fight a lot still. And I don't know if that's necessarily great for. No, he fought with Jed Zia too. They did. Yeah, they did. But I feel like. Or just like almost too intense yeah, of a partner. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But like. I don't know, like Worf's like commitment issues throughout these two episodes was just so striking. Like he's like, no, we must be bonded for life. And then like in the next one, she's like, okay, I think I'll do the oath. No, you, we cannot do the oath. I have dishonored. So like, it's like, he just, he can't like whiplash. Yeah. And she's like, come on. Like, so I, there's, there's issues there. Um, but it's definitely related to his like identity crisis. It is too. like, and I think that it could move up higher if he kind of figures his stuff out. Like, That's so maybe he just he needs some time to work on himself before I'm willing to give it up, give it a fascinating, which, which he does. We see him in Picard, like very comfortable in who he is. Mm -hmm. He yeah. gets there. I think, I, I think we made the case in our episode with Martok that it's his like relationship with Martok that really probably got him to chill out over those years. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. which I think is, I think is true. I think that's, that's absolutely true. So I don't know, perhaps um, if he had like a mentor figure, like a Martok in his life at this point, like he would have been more confident and willing to just kind of throw caution to the wind and let ha what happen happen, you know, or what's going to happen, happen. And so that, I don't know that kind of stuff dr drug it a little bit down. I just, I just feel like um, the secrets, the lack of communication, the like commitment issues, kind of uh give it a little bit of a yellow alert tinge for me but i will say the resistance futile bit their passion is intense for each other it's a, like electrifying like that to borrow a word that you used earlier i like that um when they finally like accept that they're both into each other like that you know that scene on the holodeck that was like pretty pretty hot right like for them like that was like they were very into each other they were sniffing each other and all that like you know 
Klingons are intense. Yeah, they're intense, and yeah, it's a Klingon thing, but yeah, it, it's there. So like, I think I think it's a I think it's a really fun relationship. I think it's uh, I really like I I enjoyed those two characters together. I think that uh, they played the actors played well off each other. Um, they brought a lot out of each other. It was so it's a really fun thing. Like I think the problems are are interesting. I don't I don't think they're like toxic as in like oh I think that was written bad. I think it's just like that's just where they are as characters at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So slight disagreements, but I think we ultimately agreed on a lot of things. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you definitely like, you like the, um, pick kind of one, but pair it with another. I don't, I don't know. I feel like that defeats the point of a scale. It's true. Yeah. A scale. I don't say that to our scale's got to be but... one, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm not going to do it all the time, but I feel like this one called for it. You're gonna be you're gonna be keep doing that. I just no, know it. No, I will not. Okay, will just not. watch listeners. I'm gonna. Yeah, just watch. Just watch the podcast. Listen, not watch. <laughs> um, before we uh, go to our next thing, I have we have a kind of a new segment that we're gonna we're adding in where, um, to kind of help me out in the editing room with uh, coming up with titles for this. I I always feel like I'm trying to figure out a title. I pigeonholed we pigeonholed ourselves into like having <laughs> uh, love in all of the titles somehow, and I'm running out of ideas. So. I thought that we would try to workshop a, a, a title for this episode on air, and we're going to see how this goes, and maybe this will be a recurring segment. But um, I asked you, Nicole, to think of an idea for what this episode should be called. Uh, did you come up with an idea? I did. I don't like it as much anymore, so now I'm not, I'm not even trying to sell it, but so, I don't know. Okay, okay, so I said, I wrote down Love and Oaths. Oh, Love and Oaths. That's kind of a fun one, actually. I, I like oh, that. wow, you're liking yeah. it. Okay. I wrote Love and Honor. Wow. <laughs> I think yours is better than mine. Interesting. Yeah. How about honor amongst lovers? Oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to go with that one. That's good. See, the workshopping <laughs> live helps. There we go. Yes, that was good. Okay. Honor amongst lovers. There you have it. That's it. Here we go. That was that was good. Okay, You're cool. Welcome. I I actually kept coming back to the 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 love is a battlefield one, which we use for the Martok episode, Martok Sorella mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, it's just it just fits with Klingon romances, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, okay, I like this one. Anyway, um, good discussion overall. Yeah. Um, now at this point, we are gonna hop on over to our interview with Susie Plaxen. It was as we mentioned before, it was such a joy to chat with her. She was. Um, and it was enlightening to hear her talk about Kalar as well as like other characters she played on Star Trek. She played several other characters in Enterprise. Yeah, if you didn't know. Voyager um, and TNG even. She played the the Vulcan Dr. Salar. She played um, the female Q in Voyager. She played uh, one of the, the Andorian Andorians in Enterprise. So she's been kind of all over Star Trek and kind of has a really cool storied career with the franchise. Um, and recently, and outside, and outside the franchise as well. And she had recently came out with a new audio book called The Poor Dead Kalar Show, which uh, is available on her website, on her Instagram. And we'll definitely link to all those things. And uh, we talk about the audio book and she shares some like some stories from her time uh, on set and everything. Um, but if you really want the um, the in-depth. The, yeah. And- you got to check out the audio book. Yeah. We listen to it. It's great. I think it's, it's breezy. It's real short, but it's super fun. Um, but anyway, without further ado, uh, here's our interview with Susie Plaxen. 
All right. We have with us Susie Plaxon, who we know from the four roles she's played in the three Star Trek series, Dr. Salar and Kalar in The Next Generation, Lady Q in Voyager, and Tara in Enterprise. But Susie's been in theater, TV, and film actress in productions like Mad About You, Love and War, Wag the Dog, Dinosaurs, Everybody Loves Raymond, etc. She's a multimedia artist who's done voiceovers, written short stories and poetry, written and performed an alternative country rock album even, created a philosophical comedy solo show, written and narrated the allegorical myth Return of the King Lillian, and she produces sculptures large and small in otherwise unused oven. Wow, what a resume. Welcome, Susie, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's such a joy to chat with you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. We're, you know, aside from little technical villains <laughs> that are trying to get us, we're not going to let them. Yes, we're going to push through. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, we are super excited to have you here. Uh, Nicole and I, we just recently listened to uh, your new audiobook, The Poor Dead Kalar Show. And we were listening to it on the way up north. Uh, we were driving with uh, driving and we just had a blast. I feel like we're just both grinning the whole time. It was so much fun. But for the listeners who are not familiar, um, could you just give us a brief overview of what that what that well, what that book is? Tell you how delicious it here it, it it is to hear you say that you had a blast the whole time. It was so much fun. You were smiling the whole time because that's yeah. certainly that that makes me very very happy. All right, what I'm going to do is so cheesy. I'm going to actually read you. What will amount to being a little commercial? It's what the um, it's what the uh, when you click on the link, which I assume you'll put below the show notes. Um, yes. This is what you'll see. So, there once was a little performance art piece I did on the Star Trek convention circuit. I performed it about a dozen times, all told, in league with my dear pal, terrific makeup artist John Paladin. And though I don't perform it anymore, one day at the suggestion of a good friend, I decided to record it. Tossing in the tale of how it came to be, plus another tale or two for posterity. Now, no question about it, the Poor Dead Kalar Show is an oddball of an audiobook. It's a 35-minute odyssey strewn with Trek tales. That is, some behind-the-scenes stories from my journeys through guesting as four different alien species. Tales that include people like Gene Roddenberry and Michael Westmore. And then, most saliently, featuring Return of Kalar. She speaks to us from beyond the veil with a tale or two of her own to tell, as written and performed by me, SP. Now, I had a ball creating this little audiobook, yes, just specifically for Star Trek fans. And I sure hope you guys think it's a fun ride. And it's available only and exclusively on my website for $12.12. But I'm so thrilled you had fun. Yay! Yeah, and we will absolutely link to your website and the audiobook itself, too. Matt, very kind of you. Thank you. So you've played multiple roles across a few Trek shows. Um, as Joe mentioned in your intro, you were the Vulcan Dr. Salar, as well as, of course, the beloved Kalar on TNG, the half Klingon, and the female Q on Voyager, and also Tara, the Andorian on Enterprise. Is there one character you connected with the most on an emotional or personal level? Uh, was there one that was distinctly the most fun to play? Well, I think there are about three different answers. Let's see if I can remember all of them. The first is um, that springs to mind and heart is the Vulcan because it was the first and because the connection 
to my brother and I watching Star Trek. And it was the only Star Trek I've ever watched because um, he's the sci-fi guy. Uh, so, but I won't, I won't tip the story that I talk about in the audiobook. Mm-hmm. But uh, so emotionally, the, the idea of me calling my big brother up and, you know, returning to our, to our silliness and fun in our childhoods, that was really a blast. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing that, that occurs to me and I don't mean to, you know, take the fun out of anything, but but I approached all of them as I would approach when I was doing sitcoms. Any guest star, it's part of the gig to establish an emotional connection or pretend to really well. Either way, <laughs> it's that's what it's about. So I I would make sure that I had um, an emotional connection to each one, or I pretended really well to make sure that I had an emotional connection. But the fun, I would pretty easily say Q is more my cup of tea. Because mm. um, I'm sort of a, I'm an old theater gal, so I love drawing room, parlor, comedy, tight-jawed, narcissistic, you know, hilarious, funny people. I mean, to me, she was also a little bit like um, Endora in Bewitched. So to <laughs> me, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, I think those would be, that's, that's the, that's the most instant that I think of fun. Cause I think the other thing that, that, that I want to relay, and again, not to take any fun out of it, but the notion that when I look back on the other three characters with all of the makeup, with the law, because that lengthens the days so intensively. Mm. And uh, I look back and I basically remember being tired <laughs> a lot of the time. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, you get up at three or there at four. I mean, and you sit in a chair for God knows how long. And then you, maybe they've broken for lunch already. And then maybe you're lighting, you know, there's two or, two or three hours of lighting and you might not get on set till who knows when. So it's the... The um, the transformation is amazing, um, but it's uh, it just you know it's a game, it's a job, it's part of it, it's part of the game. That's okay. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Um, speaking of Kalar, uh, given that's like the topic of the audiobook a little bit, and like kind of our episode here, um, what did you uh, enjoy most about playing that character specifically? I would I would say probably putting my fist through a glass table. <laughs> Because when do you get to do that in real life without shredding your hand or getting someone really upset with you? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, think about that, you know. She didn't even cut herself. So, you know, I do know I had two shots at doing it. Uh, So maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have if I knew I'd had three because I wanted it to be perfect, you know. But but it's kind of cool to be able to turn around and just go, and, you know, in in one punch destroy a table i wonder if she stayed to clean up my thought is no no <laughs> no still badass or a little rude a little rude that's okay <laughs> let it let an ensign some poor ensign yeah that clean. seems like a really fun thing to be able to do is like yeah get away with punching a table right and again not shredding your hand or breaking and you know or hurting yourself at all and not having anyone be like can't believe that you were an ambassador and you came onto our ship and you're breaking up the furniture, you know. Some of the fun of playing a Klingon or a half Klingon must be 
it playing around with like the anger. I again, I don't know that I would say that that was any more fun than anything else. <laughs> it's part of the. And remember, we're talking about 35 to 40 years ago, and we're talking about one and a half episodes. So we're not talking about like playing it for two years or a year in which you really. So I, I hate to disappoint, but I don't actually recall that being the juiciest, the juiciest part of it. However, I must have just admitted to that by the fact that I said it was a blast to put my fist through a glass table with no repercussions. Oh, yes. No consequences. Right. How was working pretty closely with Michael Dorn for a lot of your scenes as well, Taylor? I, I will always have great love and affection for Michael. He's just a darling and uh, and he's fun and funny. So I couldn't have, you know, I couldn't have asked for for a better, um, a better, a better half Klingon mate. Or no, he wasn't a half Klingon. I was. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's nice to hear. Was the yep. intent for Kalar to originally be like in the couple episodes or was it just be like a, like a one care one episode and then they're like, we like the character, so we're going to bring it back more? Oh, well, first off, aren't we talking about a, a space of about three years, two and a half it was three a, years? It was a little while, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know. Yeah. Um, again, I don't, I, I just say when you're a guest star and that's what I was doing a lot of in those days, you, um, you're kind of like a temp. Mm-hmm. So you come in they're you know, they're not going to tell you, they don't tell you what's going on. And so nobody, nobody said, I don't even think they knew. I think they just, I mean, as a matter of fact, I can, I can tell you almost a hundred percent. They didn't know if it was three years later. So it was really wild. Um, I'm going to answer a question you didn't ask, but um, when I was asked back the second time, my agent told me, said, oh, they want you to come back and play that, play that character. And, uh, and he said, and they're going to kill you. And my first response was, oh, God, how exciting. I have never died on screen. <laughs> oh, really? An actor, that's a huge uh, challenge. Can I do it? Oh, no. And then, and then almost immediately I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to suck. I'll be terrible at dying because I'm <laughs> funny. That's not going to, what I, I hope I can do it. And then I, I read it. Um, and I went, Oh good. Oh good. She's almost dead. I can, I can pull that off. And then it occurred to me because I was just going about my thing, doing what I, you know, it occurred to me sort of dimly. I went, well, that seems kind of a lost opportunity, but you know, I just worked there. Ain't my show. And, uh, I would find out as the years went on, I think I found, um, I ran into, um, the first time I became aware, I ran into Ron Moore on the Paramount lot. And I don't remember what was going on, what year, but uh, he was telling me that they got <laughs> gotten a lot of hate mail, apparently, <laughs> um, from all over the world that they had killed this character. By the way, I have a little quiz for you. What is the proper pronunciation of K-apostrophe-E-H-L-E-Y-R? Oh, now I'm making me question it. I, I've said Kalar. Is it is it wrong? About you, Nicole. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe there should be a pause. Like instead of Kalar, it should be Kalar. Kalar. Oh, you both, as Star Trek fans, need to go back to the first episode. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody does. I yeah. find it fascinating. I mean, I'm just from the, you know, from the outside looking in. I find yeah. it fascinating. 
I hadn't seen it in, you know, since it was, since it was, I, I'd only seen it once. And when I went to watch it to create this, this, um, stage show. Yeah. Um, I noticed that she introduced herself as K-Lar. With the emphasis on the lar. Oh. Ah. Which I think is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but it just, and I just think it's sort of interesting in a, in a, in a kind of sociological way, you know, they kill her early. They didn't actually hear her. I mean, I just think that's kind of fascinating. But yeah, that's how you say it. Don't worry, huh. no one gets it right. All any Star Trek, but no one gets it right. I'm astounded. Everyone listening to this now will hopefully get it right moving forward. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I could have changed my pronunciation, but I didn't want to be a salmon swimming upstream. You know, I mean. It's not, it's, it's, it's okay by me, but I'm just, I think it's fun to tell actual Star Trek fans. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> uh, most of your care, you know, you kind of already talked about this, but um, I guess, uh, cause you wore a lot of prosthetics and makeup for a lot of your Trek characters. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it's just kind of a, it's a long haul. <laughs> it is a long haul. It is a grind. Now here's the thing on the, ideal and idea side of things i love the notion of using masks in a way and acting through that i think that's really there's something kind of magical about that i love that the actuality of it is a grind Mm -hmm. and uh you know (laughs) if i was sitting like this like the andorian it was you know just late late in the day and then it went, it was sitting like this for the folks at home is I've got my hand on my face because I'm tired and I'm leaning on my hand. And then I <laughs> move my hand and go, and you'd like pop the paint. So they'd have to come and repair oh, no. for the side of a house, <laughs> you know, and spray <laughs> But that being said, you know, again, the actual transformation is the opposite side of the coin. And I remember there was a moment as the Andorian and I caught a glimpse of myself in silhouette on the sand, on the set. Ooh. And I went, space chick. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. It was super cool. Um, so, you know, it's, it, that's, that's why it's a gig. That's why in those days they, they paid us well. And, you know, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, by the time you get home, there's still blue in your ear, you know, and I have super, <laughs> super, and I'm not saying it to complain. I'm just saying to report, you know, this is how it was, that I have incredibly thin skin and incredibly sensitive skin. So Michael Westmore, God bless him, would um, help me take the makeup off with um, peanut oil. Because otherwise, wow. my skin would come off. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, so, but again, part of the gig. Wow. Is, so, having been on a lot of the Star Trek shows in that era, um, involving um, aliens or kinds of characters, do you have any desire or hope to be in, like, future Star Trek? Or is there a specific, like, alien you'd really want to portray? Um. I'm good, I think. You know, I uh, there's a whole lot of art. I've just become a, an official senior citizen, and uh, uh, life is short. And there's a whole lot of art that I really want to create. That's really after my own soul. Um, and uh, um, so I think I'm. You know, it's it's. I've kind of wrapped it up like a beautiful present. 
you know, in my heart. And uh, that's what I meant the audiobook to be in a way, you know, to be a sort of uh, a little, well, a little love letter, speaking of deep space love to the fans, you know. Yeah, it really is a great, it's a great rap. <laughs> oh, thank you. Good to hear. Well, speaking of other of other stuff that you do, other art, um, you know, whether it's any other art or any roles or gigs you have outside of Star Trek that you'd like to tell fans about that we should check well, out. I mean, I've been an actor for about forty years, so <laughs> you know, here's what I think. Here's what I think. If anybody feels curious, they can go to my website, SusiePlexon.com, and have a look around, and they can see sculpture or music or writing or whatever. And I also can be pretty active on my, um, I know it's so, it's so elderly to you young people for me to be pretty active on my official Facebook page, but that's where I kind of use it as a little bit of a stage sometimes. And I'll put out some music or poetry or sculpture, or, um, I've been writing these, uh, stories now and again called little brushes with great artists. And I'll mm-hmm. do that. Um, it's not, I don't want to mislead anybody. It's not a track uh, page. If people are curious what the actual actress who actually kind of does some writing would have concocted to, um, let's say, put a little Band-Aid on the wound of this character having died way too early, mm-hmm. um, you know, then they might want to listen to this audiobook. They might want to, they might want to check it out because that's the, um, I would say, cherry on top of the Sunday of the thing. Wouldn't you? Agreed. Yes. yes. I made them say that. I made them agree with me. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, but thank you so much for uh, being willing to chat with us. I'm so very pleased and honored to to have chatted with you. And thank you so much for buying the book and um, or the audiobook rather. And uh, have a beautiful rest of the evening. So lovely to meet you guys. You as well. Same and to you. Thank you. Out there. Everybody listening, deep space love coming at you. <laughs> and definitely buy the audiobook for anyone listening. We will link it in the show notes. It is fantastic. Highly recommended. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. You know what? I want to say one more thing. It's called, just so people will know, The Poor Dead Kalar Show, a little audiobook for Star Trek fans. Thank you again to Susie for joining us for uh, the interview. And thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to our chat about uh, Worf and Kalar and um, listening to our interview with Susie. Hopefully we won't be as long between episodes next time. We've got some cool stuff on the docket we were actually talking about as we were driving around today. Some stuff that we have planned for the future. So um, keep tuning back in. And until next time... Love long and prosper. Mm-hmm.